0: Oh, this is a good view. Good morning. Isn't this is a blast? Like I thought last night was a blast, and I thought, well, what are they going to do now? This was a blast this morning, Ericsey. Where, where Ericsey? That was you're coming and baking at my house because you nailed it. <laughs> this morning we're going to continue our study of friendship as we continue to journey through the book of Romans. So, if you have your Bible, you can open up. So the book of Romans chapter 12, we're going to keep going through there. Now, we all come to this topic of friendship with what I'm going to call our unique package, right? So we all have our own unique personalities. We're all bringing our own experiences, our sin tendencies, and all of these things and more have shaped us into who we are and how we engage the world, including how we engage this topic called friendship. Now, just so you don't think that I've got a handle on this thing, I'm going to share with you um, a story from sixth grade. Come on back with me to sixth grade. Some of you maybe are not too far away from sixth grade. And so you're going to remember this even more freshly. You know, cliques are in their glory. Adolescence is new and confusing. And fashion and hair from the 80s really didn't help at all. As, as Trish so kindly shared with us, I, I, wore, those, I wore the underwear too. <laughs> and, and men's flannel pajamas. Did anybody do? Yeah, men's, uh, that wasn't good either. So it's, it's just an awkward time for us. You know, we all want to fit in. Sometimes we're lacking discernment in how we want to do that. And it's really easy to identify the in crowd, not just in sixth grade, like forever. And so go big or go home, I decided I was going to hang on the fringe of the in crowd and kind of work my way in. Now, for you young ladies that are there, you should know that this was against wise parental counsel. So listen, listen to your parents. I didn't have much in common with these girls, and it didn't take a person with grand intelligence to figure out that I really didn't fit in, I didn't belong, and they didn't want me. But I ignored that. And I tarried forth, just continuing on with this really terrible scheme until one day the whole group of them surrounded me on the schoolyard during recess and just flat out told me, We don't want you to hang out with us. Oh, thank you. So the, the ringleaders walked away satisfied. Their mission had been accomplished, right? And, and the girls on the fringe followed them and kind of looking over their shoulder with a mixture of horror over the meanness that these girls had delivered and terror because they could be next, right? So I was heartbroken. I was mortified. I was lonely, and I was really afraid to pursue friendship again at all. And that experience lingered, and it marked how I colored and how I view friendship to this day. I still assume that people don't want to hang out with me. I still assume that people don't like me. I assume. Nobody's come up to me and said, we don't want you to hang out with us. But I just assume which is really a very much a here-I-am approach rather than a there-you-are approach, like we just heard on the video. And so, you know, we're about 40 years out from that, and I still have to be conscious to fight for truth when I am in a room of people or when I'm reaching out to a friend to do something. I have to preach truth to myself, and practice over the years has kind of made it a little more reflexive, like I can just do it a little more quickly, But I still have to preach the truth to keep a proper perspective. Because being an overcomer to those skewed views of friendship that were birthed on a schoolyard in sixth grade were not going to be overcome by being a better friend or finding a better friend. They were only going to be overcome by living out of the truth of who I am in Christ And finding my security there and preaching that to myself again and again. So this story might have brought to mind your own stories. Hopefully with better fashion and hair. (laughs) And hopefully they no longer hold you in the grip of, of a twisted, warped idea of friendship. Maybe you, like me, have to fight for truth to remain in truth. But maybe the hurt that you've experienced and the lies that you've come to believe are just entangled around you. And they're just dragging you down into a pit of hurt and self-protection and loneliness. And if that is where you are this morning, I am so sorry. Because that is a miserable And paralyzing place to be. But I'm going to ask you. To stay brave with me. And let's wade into this mess of lies. And hurt. And this weekend. Let's take hold of God's truth. And the tools that he uses. To cut away all those entanglements. That have you in bondage. And you can begin to walk. In the freeing light of the truth. That is found in being a friend, in Christ. Because even in the face of real pain and real hurt, we have to guard against allowing our experience to dictate how we engage friendships. We have to take our hearts and our minds in hand. We have to lay them before the feet of Jesus, and we have to trust him with our hearts, and we have to trust him with our experiences and our self-protective devices, and all of it. We're at a women's retreat, right? We're here to have fun. Yes, we're here for fellowship. Yes, we're here for free books and to get away from things for a day. Yes, but we're here to be changed by the power of the living gospel and to be made more to look like Christ. So how we approach approach all of these messages needs to be filtered through that unshakable reality of Scripture and who we are in Christ and not our unique packages and not our baggage. So let's pray because we're going to need help to do that. Father, thank you that friendship means something to you. And that our individual friendships with others means something to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to be able to identify the things that are entangling us. And the lies that we've come to believe. That you would replace that with your truth. Help us, Lord, to hear what you want us to hear this morning. And then to remember it when we leave here, Father. Give us joy In what you've called us to, Lord, and help us to be brave and laying down what we think we want and taking up what you want, because that is the best thing for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Okay, so you're already in Romans 12. Our verses today are verses nine to thirteen, and I'm I'm going to read them to you. They're not too many. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. So how do we approach these lists in Scripture that can be totally overwhelming and they can lead us to either discouragement or legalism? So if we're going to approach any list in Scripture, any list in Scripture, you got to go back to the beginning. Trish was saying that last night. We go back to the beginning of the epistle, any epistle. And we start with the gospel, because we can only buy into what Trish told us last night and what you're going to hear this morning if we believe what Romans chapters 1 through 11 say. Now, I'm not going to go through a list of it now, but I encourage you to go back and read through chapters 1 through 11, because our grasp of the truth of the gospel is going to shape our identity, and it's going to shape our relationships. Because actions always flow out of identity and relationships. With whom or what do you identify? We act out of who we believe we are, right? And our most important relationships, whether they're good or bad, shape us and influence our actions for good or bad. So let's approach this list this morning and all the lists in the Bible as part of the warp and woof of the gospel. The outflow of a redeemed, grateful, made-alive soul whose identity is in Christ and our ever-growing relationship with him. Now here's a key thing I want you to get from this this morning. And that is that biblical relationships are founded in our personal relationship with and devotion to Jesus. Jesus. It's the launching point for every relationship, including friendships. And I'm going to say it again. Biblical relationships are founded in our personal relationship with and devotion to Jesus. So let's look at two ways that we can approach this. One is be a friend with Jesus and then be a friend like Jesus. So be a friend with Jesus. We have to start here. We have to stay here. We have to always come back here because he's our security in friendship. It's not the friendship itself. He's our friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's our identity in friendship rather than changes in trends or tribes or tribulations. Otherwise, friendship becomes an idol. Because rather than looking to God as our source for everything... We look to others, including friendships as our source of happiness, acceptance, comfort, security. And we will use the tools in our relationship toolbox to shape and carve our friend into the image that we think is going to fill these things that is only supposed to be filled by God. That's idolatry. He's going to use our friends to bless us with acceptance and happiness and comfort. But he has to be the source. Our friends cannot be the source. It's a fine line, but it makes all the difference. So be a friend with Jesus. Be a friend like Jesus. We'll talk a little bit more about be a friend with Jesus as we go. Be a friend like Jesus. We want to leave people with a taste of grace. An awareness of Christ when we're with them. We want to be that there-you-are person. Some ways we can do this is to ask good questions and listen. Now, if you're not a great question asker, that's okay. You can become a better question asker. I'm going to recommend to you chapter 9 out of Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul Tripp. I can actually recommend the whole book to you as far as engaging meaningful relationships. But chapter 9 gives you lists of questions, really good questions, that you can take and use. And pay attention to people who ask good questions. What kind of questions are they asking? You can steal that, (laughs) right? We want to be good question askers, and we want to be good listeners, We want to listen without internally formulating what our response is going to be while they're talking because you're not really listening then. Conversations can be slow. We don't have to accomplish everything all in one go. Even in this fast-moving world, we can slow it down. And we probably don't need to say all the words that we think we need to say, right? Another thing we can do is to befriend the outsider and the fringe folks. Jesus does this in an astonishingly beautiful way. Read about it. And then ask God to give you eyes for it because it's easy to just kind of stand in your own group and not see what's going on on the fringe. And then speak like Jesus. And I'm just going to give you scripture for this because that's really all you need. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. James 1.19, let every person or friend be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Proverbs 10.19, I'm going to give you the NASB translation. When there are many words, transgression is is unavoidable. How clear is that? But he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 15.23, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. And there are more, but that's a good launching point. So let's, let's now turn into the passage and take a picture, t- take a look at a picture of what friendship looks like when we're living out of our relationship with Jesus and our identity in him. This is not an exhaustive list. God is limitless. He's unique in his expression. He's eager for us to have friendship here on earth. And the Holy Spirit is active in us, engaging us in our unique friendships In unique ways with our unique packages in our unique seasons. So verse 9 says, genuine friendship, genuine friends love genuinely or without hypocrisy. Now we know that hypocrisy is when our beliefs and our actions are not lining up. How can we see this in friendship? Some ways we can see this in friendship is expecting forgiveness while holding a grudge. Expecting to be served without having a heart of service. Holding our friends to a standard that we don't keep ourselves. Putting on a pretense of godliness. We are messy. We are messy. So let's just be messy. And let Christ come out of you in your messy. Instead of wearing a mask that doesn't reflect the glory of God of where he has you right now in your sanctification journey for his purposes and his glory. Genuine friends don't do that. Genuine friends love authentically with true humility that confesses sin and admits wrong and receives correction graciously by being vulnerable without putting your dirty laundry or your emotions out on display, which is becoming a thing these days, by being who you are and not morphing into the godliness brand of another, which isn't even going to look like their godliness brand, right? Because you have your unique package. They have their unique package. You try and splat your godliness Their godliness onto your unique package is not going to fit. It's going to not fit. So, look, if if we truly believe that God is the creator of life, and he's the creator of your life and your life and your life, then we have to be okay with how he made us. And we have to trust that. And pursue him because he's glorified in that godliness. And he's glorified in that messiness. Genuine friends abhor what is evil. What is evil? Envy, gossip, drama, comparing. Look, my friendship, if you and I are friends with the same woman, my friendship with her is not going to look the same as your friendship with her right that's three unique packages so your package is different than my package and it's going to interact with her package differently than my package interacts with your package you follow <laughs> if if we fall into comparison it's going to lead to things like envy resentment sinful competitiveness idolatrous expect we're just going down the toilet okay Embracing the world is another evil thing. Do do you ever talk about Christ in your friendship? What are we encouraging our friends to watch, to read, to follow on social media? Husband bashing or child bashing, in-law bashing, parent bashing. Bashing is bad. Don't bash. Emotionalism, which is not the same as being vulnerable. And I want to talk about this. When we put our emotions on exhibition, it can sound a lot like being vulnerable and humble self-disclosure. But the motivation is not the same. When we are being genuinely vulnerable with our friends out of our identity and security in Christ, there's a malleable heart that's open to the Holy Spirit's encouragement through our friends, not through validation, not through propping up, not through accruing followers or being real or relatable. And did that make sense? Because I just skipped a point. Did that make any sense at all? (sighs) I'm gonna go back and we'll see if it makes more sense. Okay, so there's this malleable heart that is open to the Holy Spirit's encouragement through our friends, not for validation, but for going deeper into the truths of the gospel and applying them to live in truth and freedom. Emotionalism shares not to fill us through the transformation of the gospel, but a filling through validation, propping up accruing followers, being okay, that makes more sense, right? Okay, (laughs) And that's paralyzing because we don't grow in any way that matters. And you live in bondage to your emotions. And you end up exhausting yourself to maintain that validation. Because the satisfaction that you receive from that validation or that new follower is going to wear off. And then you're going to have to go back and do it again. To fill that ragged black hole that is meant to be filled with the abundant, lavish, healing acceptance that comes from walking in the spirit. This has become rampant in our culture. Do we agree? It's a problem outside of our church. It's a problem inside of our church. It is a problem. So we need to choose our words carefully when we're being vulnerable. We need to be vulnerable, but we need to choose our words carefully. And we need to examine our motivations as we go. So look at your social media feed. Have your husband or a parent or a friend look at your social media feed and, and be ready for an honest response. And if it seems like you're tending toward emotionalism, Just know there's a better way. There's a better way that points to Christ, that reflects his image, his purpose, that truly satisfies and adorns the gospel to which he's called us. Okay, genuine friends are devoted to one another in brotherly or sisterly love. This is one of the many one another's in scripture, a study worthy of its own. Nurturing friendship is like nurturing anything else we want to grow. It takes time, it takes care, it takes knowing about the thing that we want to grow, it takes weeding out entanglements, and it takes lots of patience. When genuine friends are devoted in sisterly love, there's stability in the status of that relationship. We're not having to make our friends prove their loyalty. We accept our friends as they are. We are giving in that relationship not to get. And that includes investing time in busy seasons to remain connected. I feel like conversations I have more and more, how are you doing? Busy. I I give that same response. But there is merit in remaining connected in busy seasons. A text just to check in or send a verse, a picture, an update. A Marco Polo, which my kids say is Snapchat for old people. <laughs> and it must be because I don't know how Snapchat works. <laughs> or a call, which is even better. Or a visit, which is even better. Now, when you say visit, you, like, don't sit there and be like, oh, I'm too busy, I can't do a visit. Okay, let me give you this idea for a visit, right? Drive up into their driveway, knock on their door, give them a hug, tell them you can't wait till you can sit down and catch up, get back in your car and go. I'm not saying you do that all the time, but stay connected. Genuine friends give preference to one another in honor. We're in verse 10 there. Genuine friends offer power of choice. They don't grip it for themselves. Genuine friends are that there-you-are person rather than a here-I-am person. And we all know those there-you-are people. Right? You know who they are because they just make everything a little better, a little easier, a little more fun. When you leave their presence, you feel a little better. Now, this just comes naturally to some people. And then there's the rest of us. <laughs> and we have to work at being there-you-are people. So look at those there-you-are people. Don't slap it onto your package because it's going to look Goofy. Right? But just ask God to show you what that's going to look like. Get to know Jesus Christ. Develop your relationship with him. Become more secure in your identity with him. And there you are is just going to come out. Okay? Genuine friends are diligent. Being careful and hardworking in nurturing and maintaining our friendships. We need to take time to be a friend. We need to take time to know our friend, taking time to encourage our friends, to bring the truth in love, even when it's hard. We cannot allow fear to prevent us from being Christ's agent, but we need to be careful in how we represent Christ. Galatians 6.1 says it needs to be done in a spirit of gentleness. We need to get help when it's above our pay grade, it's okay to ask for assistance, to use discretion in talking to maybe another friend who knows a little more about the situation, or um, a care group leader, or your parent, or one of the pastors. Genuine friends are fervent in spirit. Friends are not lukewarm. There is great warmth and intensity and enthusiasm in friendship. This requires genuine vulnerability. We have to lay down those shields of protection to do that. And 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. There's another one of those one another's. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Fervent love protects us from a bunch of bad stuff. Genuine friends serve the Lord. This is an overarching goal. Friends serve Christ first in friendship, not ourselves, not even our friends, but the Lord helping one another to become more like Christ, iron sharpening iron, encouraging as Christ encourages, correcting as Christ corrects, rejoicing as Christ rejoices, weeping as Christ weeps, loving as Christ loves. The fruit of our friendship is Jesus flowing out of us to serve him as we love others. And... Can it look like dropping off a bar of chocolate in a Starbucks? Yes, yes it can. But it's the goal's bigger than that. And it's it's bigger than our friend. Genuine friends rejoice in hope. Friends are not Eeyore. Now, I'm not down on Eeyore. He was a faithful little donkey. <laughs> but we should live in our relationships as redeemed, heaven-bound, beloved children of God, not living out of our challenges or out of our perceived lack as though we have no hope. That doesn't mean we're never sad. And it doesn't mean that we don't weep with our friends when they're weeping. But it does mean that we live fighting for joy in this broken world because we know that these are momentary trials, and the ultimate triumph is before us. Genuine friends persevere patiently in trial. Friends, got your back for the long haul. Short trials, long trials. Now, I'm going to talk about long trials a little bit, because that's where our perseverance really can be tested. We need to try to understand what our friend is going through. Remember, go back, ask good questions, and listen. Get help if you need to understand. We need to have compassion on our friend's messiness in the midst of the trial. Because you know, in the midst of a trial, your eyes can drift from the truth. You can be tired and lack energy to be that fun friend. You can say harsh words in your weariness or out of your fear. And you can isolate. We have to persevere through that with our friends. Not be easily turned off. Not be easily offended, which is just adding to their trial. Offer help. Offer practical help, including going with your friend to the cross and helping them to look up at the one who loves them and sees them. All the while... We need to keep our own souls in check so that we avoid becoming sinfully critical or judgmental or even being drawn in in an unhelpful way to their trial. So talk carefully to a genuine friend, a care group leader, a pastor, a husband, a parent, and check in just to be sure that you are persevering well and in a healthy way. Be willing in our friends' trials to just be present and be quiet. Remember, Proverbs 19 says, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. If Job's friends had just not said anything. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. Because we don't want to become unhelpful to them. We don't want to become a hindrance to them. Okay, now this one's tough. You need to be willing when our friends are going through trial to be put on the back burner without taking up offense until space opens up, or the trial eases, or they learn to manage the trial differently, or your role in the friendship shifts. Because in doing that, you're showing preference. You're being devoted in sisterly love. You're serving the Lord. Do you see how these? this is not a compartmentalized list? This is all interwoven with one another. They're action points that are not isolated. You don't have to see this as a big to-do list. If we're living out of our relationship with an identity in Christ, it will be an integrated flow, not compartmentalization. Genuine friends are devoted to one another in prayer. Pray for each other. Pray with each other. I don't even think I need to say more about that. Genuine friends contribute to the needs of the saints. Offer practical help. This this church is incredible with this. Fantastic. Y'all do it. You do it fast. You do it easy. You think out of the box. If you don't know outside the box thoughts, go start asking around. Because there is a lot of -of out-of-the-box practical help going on in this church. Excellent job. Genuine friends show hospitality. Okay, let's just talk about what hospitality is not. It is not fancy preparations, though it can be. It is not always planned, though it can be. It's not a meal or an event, though it can be. It is not a clean and tidy house. Now say it with me, or it can be. (laughs) Friends, just keep the door open. What is hospitality? It's just about receiving our friends with warmth and a generosity of spirit. And it can look like so many different things. It can look like just inviting a woman into your house to join you in the flow of life with laundry piled up in the family room, cobwebs, and a bag of chips that's spilling across the coffee table. Or maybe that's just my house. (laughs) Or you can just pick up that bag of chips and give them a call and say, hey, I'm coming over, or meet me at the park, and share your chips there. (laughs) It's not about location It's not about what we have. It's about who we are. It's the outflow of our relationship with and our identity in Christ. Okay, so that's a lot. But it's not about the list. It's about relationship. Our relationship with Christ, with the Holy Spirit living in us, And with God who is working in us to will and to work according to his good purpose. Philippians 2.13. So as we close, I want to talk about just a couple of helps that we can apply as we pursue beautiful, messy, biblical friendship. Remember the key points is that your relationship with and devotion to Jesus is the launching point for every relationship. So this removes the mystery of this thing called friendship. It's the outflow of something bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than our friends. It's bigger than our longings, our hurts, our unmet expectations. Because if our relationship with any person is more significant in our lives than our relationship with Jesus, well, then we need to ask why. And we need to repent. And we need to adjust. So nurture your most important friendship. Nurture our friendship with Jesus. Read and study your Bible. you got to know who he is. We talked about what nurturing friendships is. You have to know your friends. Pray. Guard your heart. Keep preaching the gospel to yourself. Guard what you put before your eyes. Guard who you follow on social media. I mean, if you have ever talked to me, I've probably talked about social media. Guard who we scroll through. What we see is shaping us, and we don't even know it. Guard against it. Fight the fears and follies of your friend fiend. What are some of those things? So, our insecurities, right? Fear of man, past hurts, preaching destruction on yourself. I've tried this friend thing, it doesn't work. I'm always the inviter. God is honored by our obedience to Him. So, invite. You're going out and doing something? Just be the inviter. It's okay. Having an inaccurate assessment of who God says you are and then living out of those lies rather than the truth of who you are in Christ. We have to know who we are in Christ. We have to. The more convinced we are of that, the more freedom we have here on this earth. Another folly of our friend, are is, is assumptions. Assumptions of what you think people are thinking about you. Now, I said in the beginning, this is still a big struggle for me. I still have to preach the gospel to myself, truth, and remember my identity, and remember to be a there you are person, or assuming you know who your tribe is supposed to be. Why are we thinking we know that? God tells us that. There was a woman years ago. She was, um, she was a pursuer. This girl. And she came up to me. She's like, I want to be your friend. (laughs) Now, the first thing I did was. And then I was like. (laughs) It felt like the expectations were so high there. (laughs) that It totally freaked me out. And I just pulled back. And then God said. I put her here. I put her here. Where where are you going? <laughs> so I had to go to her and confess and repent, and it was one of the sweetest relationships I have ever had for that season of my life. So don't assume you know. Assuming that you are God's fixer of your friend's problems. That is not who God has called you to be. I can tell you that because it says it. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are not his problem solver. He doesn't need us for that. Now, he may have us step in from time to time. But you shouldn't be wearing the t-shirt. I'm God's problem fixer. (laughs) We need to risk vulnerability. We have to risk vulnerability. That is so scary for some of us to step out and do that. Because we just know we're going to get it again. They're going to do it again. Someone's going to hurt me again. But God, ladies, but God, and let's say they do, and let's say you're hurt. Isn't your friend who sticks closer than a brother there to put you back together again and to change you in the midst of it and to make you more like Christ? So we need to risk vulnerability, but we need to do it without emotionalism, which we said was something different. Because vulnerability has that malleable heart that's open to the Holy Spirit's work. We also have to not feed unfaithful feelings. Ugh. Our feelings are so unfaithful. They are such betrayers. And the enemy in our flesh is going to use those unruly, unfaithful emotions and feelings to derail us. And keep us from living in the freedom that we have already been given in Christ. So are you overwhelmed by this list or the exhortation to be a friend with Jesus or like Jesus or something from last night or something that you're going to hear later on? Well, that only focuses on our lack. And guess what? We lack a lot. We have a lot of lack. That's why we need Jesus. But God says we are to dwell in truth in Philippians 4.8. So let's dwell in the truth that we have rather than what we lack. We have been given grace upon grace in John 1.16. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. We have the Holy Spirit to guide and help us. We have the body to encourage us to Exhort us to live this Christian life together. We have our Bibles. We have so much. So if we're going to be overwhelmed by anything, let's be overwhelmed by the truth of abundance that frees and empowers us to courageously pursue genuine friendships. Don't live out of the list. Read it. Study it. But don't live there live out of the truth and life-giving breath and freedom that comes from the gospel. The practical application of this integrated, non-compartmentalized list is the natural outflow of the gospel. Romans 1 to 11. Go back and read it. And it's the outflow of a grateful, redeemed life that is filled with soul deep belief that you are forgiven you are loved you are accepted and you are filled with Jesus and the Holy Spirit let's pray Father thank you for giving us friendship thank you that you are the God who holds all things together and you hold us together Lord, I pray that you would help us to take this information and integrate it in a way that glorifies you and accomplishes your purposes through us. Help us, God, to get out of the way. Help us, God, to identify areas where we are putting stumbling blocks in front of our friends or stumbling blocks in front of us. And help us, Lord, to live in the freedom that you've already given us as sisters in Christ, it's already there. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Help us to know what we know, what we know, that we are yours, and we are accepted, and we're loved, and you're with us in friendship, and you're with us in hurt. Give us courage. Give us eyes to see. Help us to be there you are, friends, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.